electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. If you want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you, has been doing for f- how many years? This is our 16th. So call me at 1 800 713 CBC or tweet me. Please gently. It's our 16th at Jim Kramer. So you're getting your stimulus check from the government, right? I mean, what do you do? What do you do with it? Before we even talk about investing, you got to plug some holes. Got to pay off your credit card debt. Maybe you got to make sure you got some health insurance. I know, really boring advice, but those costs can eat you alive. Once that's covered, you should put most of what's left into a cheap index fund that mirrors the S&P 500. That's for retirement. And then finally, finally, there's your mad money. A fitting concept given that today is indeed our 16th anniversary. And otherwise, the daily positive session, Dow ultimately advancing 175 points. Oh, it traded all over the place, but then nicely, S&P gaining 0.65%, and the Nasdaq climbing 1.05%. Well, you're probably thinking, why doesn't Kramer say start with individual stocks? Because if you qualify for a stimulus check, you might not have enough money for cushion. I always tell you to put your first 10 grand into an index fund because you start picking stocks or assets like cryptocurrencies. Well, you know what? I've been saying for a decade and a half, you got to be diversified. And that's what the pulpit's about. Be diversified. But let's say you got that cushion. What's next? All right. Well, your choice of investments depends on where you are in life. And to a lesser extent, your own personality, which I can't tell you about. I mean, if you're young and you got a whole lifetime of paychecks ahead of you, you can afford to take on a lot more risk, assuming you're comfortable with it. As you get older, you do need to be more cautious. It's just what life's about. In the old days, I would tell you to pick the stock of a company you knew and liked and read the annual report, listen to quarterly conference call, look up any relevant articles, and maybe do some buying if you like what you see. Very often, though, people would balk because the share price was too high, meaning it cost too many dollars and because there are a lot of commissions. These days, it's no longer a problem because we got fractional trading. You can buy a tenth of something like Tesla or Amazon or Alphabet and no commissions. Now, the younger you are, the more I am, or, no, the more I'm begging you to take an aggressive stance on something speculative. What does that mean? 
Uh, let me give you textbook examples because we've got them all over the place. A year ago, Moderna was speculative. It was a relatively untested biotech company. Now we know they've had incredible success with their COVID vaccine. You know what? I don't believe their RNA technology extends beyond this one virus. Stocks had a huge run. You know what? I actually think you can still justify owning a piece of it up here because management has staked out a series of vaccination efforts that could lead to being multiple blockbusters. But how about if you're older? Well, then I think you got to switch gears. I mean, yeah, then I think you got to try a stock like Johnson & Johnson. It's a company with a long track record of paying dividends, done some remarkable work with its own one-shot COVID vaccine, although not that it's necessarily a needle mover. J&J doesn't have the radical upside of something like Moderna. In fact, they're not even trying to make money on the vaccine. But the company has a tremendous history of doing right by its shareholders, managing its capital well, and developing new drugs. Oh, and by the way, and this matters for some people who are a little bit older, but not younger, it has the best balance sheet of any large company in the country. Now, you can see this kind of dichotomy at play in just about every industry. Today, we learned that a private company in the red-hot payment space, an alpha called Stripe, had a round of financing that valued the business at nearly $100 billion. I mean, like, enough. Like, I know, another $100 billion. But wait a second. What does that tell you about the space that Stripe's in, the payments industry? Well, to me, it means the future is very bright. So you might be drawn to Square, SQ, which has a cash app platform, something that could grow for years and years, and is regarded as the easiest place to buy fractional bitcoins. I am totally enamored of the stock of PayPal, Dan Schulman's company, which I see as the worldwide digital bank of the future. Speculative? Yes but not nearly as much as it used to be. No, but maybe you're drawn to a more mature payments play, a longer track record, something you heard of, something that's in your wallet. How about a Visa? How about a MasterCard? Maybe you prefer a slower grower with a solid history of dividend payments because you want income. J.P. Morgan. What else? We know the future belongs to the cloud, even if those stocks have fallen out of favor in the last couple of months. For younger investors, that means you should consider buying Snowflake. Yes, that ultra-fast-growing data warehousing company that's crushing the numbers. And don't believe people said that last quarter wasn't any good. That's because those people don't know anything. I mean, that quarter was amazing. Now, if you're older, though, or a little more skittish, I do like Salesforce. I like Adobe. I like ServiceNow. If you're worried about staying power, you might be drawn to Microsoft, even as I would argue that Salesforce will give it a multi-year run for its money. And believe me, they're trying to. Sometimes a stock moves from one category to another. Last year, Tesla was the ultimate junior growth play, the classic high-risk, high-reward story with a huge payoff. Even for this huge run, I can't stop anyone from buying Tesla. I like it too much, despite Elon Musk's eccentricities, like his decision to crown himself a techno king in, in chief, which would be fine if he tweeted it, but he put it in an SEC filing, for heaven's sake. But here's what I will say. Tesla's no longer a junior growth stock. Oh, no. Now it is a senior growth stock because how big it is. If you're a younger investor who wants something higher risk, I want you to consider Churchill Capital 4. I know that's a mouthful, but it's the SPAC that's merging with Lucid Motors. Not a mouthful, but a really cool car. That could potentially be the next Tesla. Don't worry. Elon Musk does not watch, so he won't be mad at me. This thing imploded last month because the stock got too hot in anticipation deal. Not their fault. When I say it's high risk, though, I mean it. However, after that decline, I'm willing to endorse Churchill Capital for as long as you're young, because young people still have time to make back those losses if it doesn't work. Even though this thing already blew up, it's one of the rare SPACs that's a good operator and not too promotional, and it's not at its high or near it. And if you're older, stay tuned, because the safest way to play the electric vehicles is Ford or GM. More on that later. How about today's biggest movers? There's AMC, the movie theater chain that's just now reopening two locations in California, and that was destroyed by the pandemic. That company, it was up 25% today. Then there's GameStop. Oh, that's that Wall Street Bet's favorite. They love me. I've seen some fantastic things about me there. 
And that stock sank almost 17% after a big run last week. To me, these both feel like stocks that have moved too much. We've seen this movie before. And we know it's hard for these meme stocks to stay at such elevated levels. But I know both AMC and GameStop have some incredibly devoted shareholders, so I will say this. If you're drawn to this kind of trade, you need to think about suitability, like Lucid Motors. I mean, you got a a much greater chance to lose money in a stock that's advanced tremendously on no real news. And younger investors have more leeway to lose money. In other words, and I'm not slighting them. I mean, that's part of the joy of being young. You callow youth. You can get away with trading meme stocks when you're 25, much harder when you're just when you're 55. And when you're 65, uh, meme stocks? I mean, I'm a meme, but I ain't a stock. Now, I'm just using the stimulus check example to drive home the point that you need to think about what kind of investor you might be. And for those of you who are too wealthy to qualify for check, remember, please, you only need to get rich once. The bottom line, once you put enough money away in a cheap index fund, you can start thinking about your discretionary mad money portfolio. But before you start picking stocks, you need to figure out what level of risk you're comfortable with. Once you know that, you're likely to do much better in the long run. And that's what Mad Money's about. Skip in Georgia. Skip! Booyah, ski daddy. Whoa, good to have you on the show. <laughs> Thank you for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller, long-time watcher. Exciting. All right. I'm apprehensive of Peloton. Demand was artificially boosted by COVID over the last year. And post-pandemic, it's reasonable to assume their current growth rate is unsustainable. Combine that with only 18% of the revenue is subscriptions, 82% is non-recurring equipment sales, not to mention the number of insider sellers in recent months and competitive threats. My worry is Peloton looks less like a Netflix, which has been a subscription sensation since its IPO, and more like a GoPro, which ooh, was a fad stock ooh, over six man, years ago. I, you lost me there. So you, were going, you were going great, Skip, and then you say GoPro. Peloton's too good to be GoPro, but... I do agree that Peloton is a very dicey stock as a reopening stock. I mean, when you consider the fact that Nike has trouble because we're reopening, what do you think about Peloton? I say let it rally and sell. But I've been saying sell since 140, so that's not a new position. Oh, wow. I'm going to where my daughter used to live. I'm going to Dorito in Oregon. Dorito. What's up, Kramer? How much? How about you? I'm good. I have a question about Dell Technologies. They got good EPS, good PE. Uh, they have VMware, and demand's still growing. What do you think? Uh, one of my absolute favorites. So undervalued. And as we get around to the merger, whatever they do with VMware, Michael Dell is going to do what's right. Here's a stock that may be 20 to even 30% undervalued, and nobody cares except for me and Michael Dell. All right, when it comes to your mad money, you got to figure out what kind of investor you might be. Think about yourself. Once you figure that out, and that's called suitability, I'm telling you, you will do much better. Oh, man, tonight, I'm sitting down with the bankable CEO of AMD, find out how demand in the semiconductor space could impact the stock's potential for profits in your portfolio. Then even after a great story, you sometimes need to change your approach. I'm going to tell you how I'm shifting my outlook on the EV stocks. And the last few weeks, they've been rough for the winners of 2020 including one that we liked about, well, I can't tell you how many percent ago, but it's called Celsius Holdings. Could the stock regain its energy? I'm talking with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? 
Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's finally safe to start bottom fishing in the best of breed tech stocks that have been just hammered mercilessly over the last couple of months. Take advanced micro devices. That's the terrific chip maker with a stock I like so much that we own it for the charitable trust. And you know I've been behind this since $5. After surging to new highs in January, AMD's stock has been pummeled. It's been a rotation. It fell from $99 to $73 and change at its lows last week. But that might have been the final crescendo of selling, like I like to talk about, because since then, the stock's come roaring back, climbing to $82 today. Plus, it doesn't hurt that AMD just announced a new line of ultra-fast processors for the data center. I think it's too good to ignore, but don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Dr. Lisa Su. She's the president and CEO of Advanced Micro Devices. Dr. Su, welcome back to Man Money. Hey, Jim. Great to be here with you on Mad Money. And congratulations on your 16th anniversary. Very, very exciting. Thank you so much, Lisa. It is a big day around here. And it was a big day for you because you introduced uh, some incredible industry-leading chips. And I'm just going to give you, I'm going to tee you off by saying that at at your conference, you said that your performance, you've delivered more than double the performance of the competition at 106% faster. What does that mean for researchers who are trying to figure out which chip to use? Well, Jim, look, it is an incredibly exciting day for us today. Um, we launched Milan. It's our third generation uh, Epic processors um, earlier today. Um, it's really just a, a fantastic piece of work bringing all of the industry partners together as well as um, our teams. And this is really about the data center. You know, the, the fact is 
High performance computing is the center of the data center. And if you think about it, whether you're a researcher or you're a business or um, you know, all of these things, you, you want to have the, the fastest possible processor so you can do as much as possible. And yes, we can say that um, our a third generation Epic processors are more than double our competition. And whether that's in high performance computing or supercomputers doing uh, research, or that's for business services um, in the enterprise or in the cloud, lots and lots of capability. And we're just so excited to be able to bring that forward. Well, I, I can always tell you how great you are. I like to judge you by your partners. There was an excellent uh, testimo- testimonial by Azure, which is one of our favorites from Microsoft. Google, same thing, cloud, are they coming on? Tencent Cloud, which I think people don't realize how big that is. What are you doing for Tencent? Well, you know what's very exciting about all of these cloud service providers is um, they're just powering so much of what we do. I mean, if you think about all of our collaboration work, you know, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, you know, with Tencent Cloud, it's about helping us bring people together and really bringing the best um, that we can in the cloud offering. So very excited with Microsoft. I think they've been a phenomenal partner. You know, Google as well has been a phenomenal partner. And Tencent as well is bringing, uh, using Epic processors to really connect billions of users. So if you think there are billions of users that are using AMD Epic processors somewhere in their cloud to power um, their cloud services. So it's just an example of the ecosystem. You know, frankly, Jim, the way I like to think about it is, you know, part of AMD's role is frankly bringing the ecosystem together. Like we we offer, you know, sort of the uh, the computing at the heart of it. And then people put their own services and their own capabilities around that so that we can deliver the best um, to the industry. Now, you've never been one who has said, listen, the other guys are doing badly, and that's why we're, we're doing well. Not commented on that. Uh, Intel brings Pat Gelson. You're a terrific guy, and I'm sure you have known him for years. You get him from VMware. But what these partnerships tell me is AMD is not going to be one and done. You can't just be dislodged. These are now longer-term partnerships, regardless of what any competition throws at you. Well, now, Jim, what I like to say is the semiconductor industry is all about making big bets and investing for the long term. So we've been working on this um, you know, high performance data center roadmap for over five years. And, and you know, we've been talking um, to you about it. Uh, you, know, sure. you and I have been talking about it for uh, that period of time. And this is actually our third generation of our Epic processors. And with each generation, it just gets better. And it gets better for two reasons, right? One is uh, that, you know, fr- frankly, our engineering team has done some you know, fabulous stuff. But the other is our partners are actually working really closely with us to solve the most important problems. So I look at this as, you know, as, as you said, look, it's a it's a fiercely competitive market. And we know that that being the case, uh, we are extremely aggressive and we're making the bets now for the next five years. So there, it's a very, very exciting time. Sure. Now, I, I know that this deal hasn't closed yet with Xilinx, but to me, when I look at the total addressable market, which is what I care about for high growth companies, I see that it's much larger with Xilinx. I also see that you're no longer just going to be in a couple of markets, even though I love those markets. You're going to be in more phone markets. Uh, you're going to be considered to be a different company. How important is it for people to wait? That's what they keep asking me. We have to wait for it closes. Or is it just, look, you're getting both of them right now if you buy the stock of Advanced Micro. Yeah, now that's a, a great um, you know, great segue. So uh, we are um, extremely excited about the Xilinx acquisition. I think I have even more conviction today as I look at you know, the conversations that we're having with our customers about what we can do together. And this is really about you know, the, um, 
the long-term roadmap for AMD, right? So today uh, we've had um, just tremendous growth. You know, last year we grew 45% uh, year on year. You know, this year we're guiding uh, for uh, 37%, which is you know very strong growth. And what Xilinx adds is just another set of markets and another set of technologies that does increase that addressable market. So you know the way I look at it is the natural uh, evolution of the company. I think you know our goal is to be a leader. Um, in high performance computing and really bring all those pieces together. And so, um, you know, so far uh, things are going um, quite well with the, um, the overall acquisition. Things are progressing as we expect. And so we expect to close um, at the end of this year. All right. Well, one last question. A lot of the investors I speak to say, well, wait a second, Jim, you talk about this chip shortage endlessly. Is that good or bad for an actual chip maker? So is it good or bad for AMD? Well, you know, Jim, I think it's a it's a great point. Um, I think it's we have to take a step back and see we have enormous demand. I mean, the semiconductor industry and particularly high performance computing, the demand is very, very strong. And so we're seeing um, you know, great strength in the um, overall uh, revenue and growth across PCs, gaming and data center. And to answer your question, it's good. I mean, it's very, very good. We're very pleased that people are um, excited about our products, you know, want more of our products. Um, you can count on us uh, ramping uh, production capability to ensure that uh, we get, um, you know, overall supply meet, uh, matching demand. And you can count on us growing, you know, every quarter this year for that reason, because we do see uh, just incredible demand and we continue to, um, to ramp our supply to meet that. So overall, it's an incredible time to be in the industry. Very, very busy, but busy in a good way. And, uh, you know, it gives us not only excitement about what we can do with our customers today, but especially with our long-term roadmap, what we can do over the next few years. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I think you've answered a lot of the questions of people saying, why did that stock go down? Well, the answer is it shouldn't have. Lisa Sue, President and CEO of AMD, always great to see you. Great to see you, Jim. Thank you. All right, you just heard all the exciting things. It's about the enterprise. It's about the big partners. It's about having enough chips. It's about making a lot of money and growing. This stock, people say, where can I buy tech that's not that expensive relative to where it was? It's AMD. Man, money's back into the break. Coming up, can the electric car power Detroit on the road to a comeback? Kramer has a combustible take that could make you money. Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Even when you got a great story, sometimes you need to change your approach. That's my read on the plethora of electric vehicle plays right now. Now, not long ago, this was the hottest group in existence. Not anymore. Although the selling did take a respite in today's session. I think electric is the future of the auto industry. Come on, my kids would never let me talk about the infernal combustion engines, and the future has happened pretty darn fast. But most of these names have lost their momentum. Tesla was one of the best-performing stocks on the planet last year. It's now down nearly 200 bucks from its highs. The electric vehicle SPACs, and I'm talking about all sorts of ones with the LiDAR and the, the smaller batteries, well, they've been rolling over for weeks. Don't get me wrong, I am still a big believer in Tesla, and a handful of the SPACs are very enticing, especially Fisker and Churchill 4, which is merging with Lucid Motors. But there's no denying that these all have become what I regard as battlegrounds. And you know what happens in battlegrounds? A lot of people lose money, and that's not what this show's about. Growth stocks that trade on what they could potentially earn in 2025, eh, people don't like them. Going out of style in the Wall Street fashion show. Some of them are still worth speculating on, but you need to be a little more prepared for extreme turbulence. You shouldn't have to worry about that for a long time. So if you want to bet on electric vehicles with much less risk, and as I said at the top of the show, that can be valuable as you grow older in particular, I say do something really novel in the space. Yeah, I'm talking about really novel. I'm saying go buy some stock in Ford or General Motors. Yet, despite their internal combustion engine bones, they've got much more meaningful EV exposure than you might realize. And just as important, they fit the current zeitgeist in a way that Tesla or the SPAC simply don't. Now, I know these are huge established companies with improving balance sheets and real earnings. Earnings that happen to be skyrocketing right now thanks to the incredible bull market in plain old cars and trucks because the economy's getting so good worldwide. Listen, I know Tesla and the electric SPACs are a lot more exciting than fossils like Ford or Jim. But when you look at the tape, fossils are what's working. Meanwhile, the great growth stocks of 2020 are having a tougher time in 2021. Why don't we start with Tesla? And again, don't get me wrong. I'm still a fan. I went positive on Tesla back in November of 2019 when it was trading at a split adjusted price of mid 60s. I've been pounding the table on it ever since for a spectacular gain. And the stock's now above 700. I'm not stopping. They're the best in the business. It's been a mistake to bet against Elon Musk every step of the way. But I can't deny the stock's a little less compelling here. I mean, Tesla's starting to get hit with real competition. Sedans, SUVs, even pickup trucks. Not of all the, by the way, not all the ratings are as good about uh, Tesla anymore. And the Cybertruck won't even be the first electric model to hit the market. Now, you got a trio of Chinese companies that are ramping up production, too. Meanwhile, when Tesla reported in late January, full year guidance, a little soft. Plus, I, you know, I'm not crazy about the Elon Techno King Musk thing. It, it, that's getting a little erratic in the past. The erratic has been red herring. This market's gotten pretty unforgivable when it comes to growth stocks. The bar's much higher now. We don't need erratic. Again, I am still bullish on Tesla. I've said that twice. And you got my blessing to buy it now. It's down 21% from its recent highs. It did get cheaper as it went down. But the story is just simply not as compelling uh, as a way to play the EV space as the ones I'm talking about. Now, how about the SPACs? Right, the SPAC attack? I, I warned you. I warned you away from these in January. I'm glad I did. Took a lot of heat from it. The market's been flooded with special purpose acquisition companies that merged with electric vehicle startups, and now the whole group's collapsing under its own weight. In the past couple of weeks, we've gotten a pair of troubling research reports from some very savvy short sellers. First, on March 3rd, Muddy Waters Research slammed XL Fleet. That was the day after we spoke to the CEO. I mean, these are the guys who make hybrid and electric powertrains for trucks. Among other things, the shorts accused the company of pressuring its salespeople 
to inflate their sales pipelines. Since then, the stock's down 16 percent. I'm trying to get a good read on this thing. Don't feel like I have it enough to be able to tell you which side I take. Then last Friday, the aptly named Hindenburg Research, that's the firm that exposed Nikola six months ago, published a brutal takedown of Lordstown Motors. According to Hindenburg, the company's order book is, quote, largely fictitious, end quote. It, that's suboptimal. They make a compelling case that management's been insanely promotional and Lord sounds much further away from actually making cars than they've led us to believe. It doesn't help that they just had their first road test in the car. Hindenburg says the car burst in flames. Well, you... Draw your own conclusion about that. Lordstown finished down more than 16% last Friday, though it got a nice bounce today. And I, I'm happy to have Lordstown on to give the other side, but I happen to, to value honey, uh, Hindenburg's research. The honeymoon period for the electric vehicle SPACs, I mean, it's over. Even the good ones have been hard hit. Again, the market's a lot more skeptical of speculative growth stocks now, so these things don't benefit of the, get the benefit of the doubt the way they did last summer. And without the benefit of the doubt, many of them just don't cut it. Of course, there are some quality SPACs, too, and you're getting some nice entry points in these. You know I like QuantumScape, Battery Play, others did today, look good. I am enticed by Fisker, stock down 20% month to date, really interesting design model. I think Churchill Ford, the SPAC that's merging with Lucid Motors, is way too cheap versus where it was, and that's what's key, versus where it was. And it's got plenty of capital to go where it needs to go. However, as I said at the top of the show, these stocks are high risk, high reward. And the older you get, the less risk you can afford to take the older you get. I mean, what is that? You take a week vacation, you come back, you start using words like the older you get. Someone stop me from ever saying that again, okay? And the younger you get, the way, how's that? Like Tesla, the electric SPACs have become battleground stocks, as I mentioned, and they're tough. As an investor, I've got an easier way. So let's consider the so-called internal combustion engine dinosaur, starting with Ford. Now, first of all, full disclosure, I like Ford stock so much that it's a huge position for our travel trust. And you can follow that by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club, where we've had to uh, wrestle with the idea of the stock being up too much. Why is this? First, because the company's got some exciting new products hitting the market, including the fully electric Mustang Mach-E SUV and the new hard-to-get Ford Bronco. Second, I think we're about to see a small business uh, renaissance as the economy reopens. And when small businesses expand, you know what they buy? I'll tell you what they buy. They buy pickup trucks. And what's the best-selling pickup truck forever and blah, blah, blah? Bye, 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 yes, bye. the F-150. I mean, I got a 350, but the 150's cool enough. By the way, there's an electric version coming down next year, and everybody wants that. Third last year, Ford brought in this guy, CEO Jim Farley. He's taken a new radical approach. I mean, I've known him for a decade, but he actually, I mean, I know this is going to shock people who've known Ford for a long time. He actually cares about making money. All right, may not sound that impressive, but the old Ford didn't really work like that. They had all these far-flung international operations of dubious profitability, but the dubious, if they made any money at all. But the company kept them running because, well, they wanted to make cars all over the world. I mean, thanks to Farley, that's now, now over. He, he wants to make money, and if he doesn't make money, he doesn't want to be in the market. That's what I've been waiting for for decades. All right, how about General Motors? Now, they've really gone all in electric vehicles here. They have plans for 30 electric vehicles on the market in a few years. Nobody else comes close except maybe Volkswagen. Their track record is a lot less impressive. On top of that, GM's poured a massive amount of money 
into coming up with better battery technology for electric cars. Batteries are the big bottleneck here, so that's a huge differentiator. Hey, listen, some people think the battery business is worth the whole price of the company. Finally, I think CEO Mary Barr deserves a ton of credit for turning this thing around. When it comes to EV, she's the real deal. And those of you who doubt that, you will be wrong, very wrong. I know we've heard a lot about the semiconductor shortage, how it's made it hard for these companies to make money, and that is true. The lack of chips is limiting their production. That's a real negative. But at this point, I mean, does anybody not know that? Plus, even though Ford and GM have had huge runs, their stocks are far from expensive. They're both selling for about nine times next year's earnings estimates. Even after this run, they are the cheapest two stocks I follow in the entire stock market. That's wrong. Bottom line, if you want electric vehicle exposure, but you don't want to, to take the risk of betting on a junior growth stock, you know what? You can stick with what's working. And you know what's working right now? Ford and GM. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with the company up more than 800% over the past year. Can the move continue? Don't miss my sit-down with Celsius Holdings. Then you can listen to the haters on Twitter and Reddit. I love them because I'm chill. Or on the 16th anniversary of mad money, you can see what I've been doing trying to help you make money the old-fashioned way, like thinking and learning and doing that kind of stuff that's really boring, but what I do. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of, the, of a very special lightning round. So stay with Kramer. The last few weeks have been very rough for the biggest winners of 2020. That includes Celsius Holdings, which is one of these drinks that people call lifestyle drinks and other people call energy drinks. It's the third one. This one rallied nearly 1,000% over the course of last year. However, last Thursday, the company reported a generally solid quarter where the earnings came in a penny weaker than expected in the stock it was eviscerated, losing 25% of its value on Thursday and Friday before bouncing nearly 8% today. Now, some of that's because there were real issues here, like an aluminum can shortage that's going to put pressure on the gross margins. But a lot of it's because Celsius' stock came in way too hot into the quarter. So now that it's cooled off, could this be a rare buying opportunity or do we need to be more cautious? Let's check in with John Fieldley, the CEO of Celsius Holdings, to get a better sense of the quarter and the company's prospects. Mr. Fieldley, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, James. Glad to be here. Okay, so, John, I just first want to touch on this notion of energy drink versus lifestyle drink, because if we do energy drink, fortunately, you know, you had some pretty good numbers versus the other guys, Monster and Red Bull. But if we do lifestyle drink, then it really is a category of its own. So which should we choose? It is a lifestyle. It's all about it's a healthy, active lifestyle, Jim. That's what it's all about. The category is under disruption when you look at it. Celsius, most recent spins data, scan data, has Celsius as one of the fastest growing energy drinks in the category. So well-positioned. Lifestyle is the future. It's all about living a healthy, active lifestyle, as we all know. Okay, so let's talk about going uh, from clubs to being into a lot of stores that we're all familiar with, including a place like Speedway, which I go to all the time. And there it is amongst the other drinks. And it wasn't there last year. Absolutely, Jim. We're up to 82,000 locations we closed 2020 with. Uh, you know, it's really excited. Speedway is a big part of it. Kroger, CVS, Rite Aid, many others. The biggest opportunity now is retailers are updating their sets for 2021, and we expect Celsius to gain additional distribution. So keep your eyes out at those retailers. You'll be finding Celsius soon. Okay, now there's a term that may not be familiar to our viewers, but is very important to the industry. Everyone calls it DSD, but it really is this direct-to-store delivery. Now, this is something that a lot of companies really prize. It's one of the reasons why I like PepsiCo so much, because Val Frito-Lay gets there. You are now being on the trucks of some outfits that probably wouldn't have considered you a few years ago. 
Absolutely, Jim. We've been trying to get on these trucks for years. And just now, over the last 12 months, we've added about 150 DSD distributors. So what does that mean? That is white glove service to the retail shelves. This, when you look at the retail shelves, especially in convenience, where 70% of energy drink sales are sold, it is a war, Jim. And you have to have people going in and keeping your product in stock. Celsius has been out of stock across the country many times just sitting in the back room because the store employees do not keep us on the shelf because we're turning at such a high velocity. Now, let's talk about Monster versus Red Bull. And again, I'm conscious these are energy drinks and they're not necessarily good for you versus Celsius, which I think you can create a parameter which says not only is it good for you, but it is integral to health and workout. But you are catching up to them. And in many ways, I can say that in the last few weeks, the numbers have been pretty astonishing. Absolutely, Jim. We're a healthy energy drink. We have our eight essential vitamins, green tea, ginger, guarana. We were born in the gyms and now positioned for broad mass appeal. And when you talk about competing with the Red Bulls and the Monsters, we're the third largest energy drink brand on Amazon. And when we get the same placement versus the competition, we'll outperform. So that's what this DSD is about. It's going to get Celsius front and center. And we're really well positioned. You see the recent scan data that's out there on Nielsen. It is showing Celsius is one of the top performers. So 7-Eleven this year? 7-Eleven this year, we're in doing great with 7-Eleven. We got a big program scheduled with 7-Eleven this summer. Check us out. We have new flavors coming in that's really exclusive to 7-Eleven, and everyone's excited about it. Now, one thing I was, I, this is disconcerting, not about you, but about Asia and China. I would think that this is a natural in China, and yet when I look at the amount of money that you're making, it's with a licensing. Is this once again China saying, listen, you can't just come in here, Celsius. you got to do it with a partner, and the partner may not be as aggressive as you'd like? we got a great partner, Jim, in China. We have a licensing royalty agreement. Back in 17 and 18, we went off on our own and started investing in the market. Uh, really, it's, it, it's, a, it's a difficult market to get started. Uh, we felt the best path forward, profitable path forward, was a licensing royalty model. Listen, the same health and wellness trends in North America are in China. They're in Asia, Southeast Asia. We have distribution in Malaysia uh, and then also in Europe as well. So this is a global opportunity, not just the North America energy drink play. Now, one last thing. Uh, when I see these shortages, whether it be semiconductors or the shortages in copper, I'm now seeing shortages in wiring. So now we got shortages in cans. Usually these things cannot end after one quarter. Is this something that could depress your next quarter so people shouldn't be shocked when you can't, when you call it out? We, we said generally our products are available. You know, we're a fast-growing brand, so we do have some out-of-stocks on certain flavors. But in general, we're available. We're shipping the scan data doesn't lie. It's up over almost 100% in the last 12 weeks. If you go to the recent February 27 scan data, so really good momentum there. We have cans secured across the globe. Uh, cans coming in from Europe, cans coming in from Asia, Canada, even Norway. And we will be well positioned for the summer beverage season. All right, that's what we want to hear because we're trying to figure out whether the dip is a viable one. There's a lot of good stuff that you just told our viewers. That's John Fieldley, the CEO of Celsius Holdings. Good to have you back on the show, sir. Glad to be here. Thank you, Jim. All right, man, money's back after the break. Just chill out. Chill man is in the house. Chill man be king. The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. Well, this is the 16th anniversary of Mad Money. It's also the one-year anniversary of a very tough year for many. However, in the darkness, there was light in the selfless women and men who have served on the front lines to keep us all safe. 
Tonight, we are honoring those who stepped up to help with a special lightning round featuring just those essential workers. So now it is time. It is time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. Quick round. So with Patty in New York. Thank you, Patty. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank you so much for taking my call. I've been a longtime fan and a I had no investing knowledge, and by watching your show, I learned how to invest, and now I have a small portfolio. Thank you. And I wanted to also thank you so much for your support of the healthcare professionals. Of course. The pandemic. Of course. It really meant so much. I felt like you had our voice. You, you were bet. You were our voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it very much. My stock question is Palantir. Do well, Palantir is a buy? great growth company, but I've got to tell you something, Patty. They have contracts that, because they're with the government, I don't know what they're doing. So as long as it's such a black box, I cannot advise you to buy shares. But I sure can thank you for those great comments. Now we're going to Tony in New York. Tony. Tony. Oh, man. Jim, Jimmy, chill. Thanks so much for taking the call. Big Buffalo Bills. Booyah to you. I was with, I um, was with the B-Bouts this weekend. We're talking about going up there for one of the games. Say hello to my buddy, Sean McDermott. How you been? Oh, we love it. Been doing good. We got light at the end of the tunnel here in the city, so yes. I'm happy it's not a year ago. You know what I mean? Oh, good for you, and thank you for your help. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Just wanted to ask, I know I'm on a roller coaster ride with Fiverr. Am I going up? Am I going now, you down? Know what what I thought it was great that Fiverr canceled that. Uh, they were going to do that big offering, and they canceled it. And we like them. We like the freelance model. We think they're terrific. I understand the stock's very high. I think you're fine. It's gonna go, could go down a little, but I think you're fine, and I thank you for your help. And now we're going to Michael in California. Michael! Booyah, Professor Kramer from sunny San Diego. How you doing? I am doing well. How about you? Doing great, doing great. I'm calling in to talk about a company that has been transforming healthcare. It has gotten hard, hit hard recently from the transformation from growth to more value investing. This company is up 84% in the past year and is down from its highs of 308 on February 8th to closing today at 201. Uh, I am calling to ask you what you think about TDOC, Teladoc Health. Okay, I have to tell you why I think Teladoc is for real. I like their whole game plan. I like that acquisition they made. Now here's the problem. There are others that want to be in that business and right now, if people think there's going to be a boom, Teladoc stock is going to underperform. Can you own it for the long term, though? Yes, because it's got a great business model and it's going to save the system of fortune. And we must save Medicare. No matter what, Medicare must be saved. And they're part of the solution, not part of the problem. Eddie in New York. Eddie. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Eddie. So, Jim, uh, I've been having a uh, stock for a while, exact science. EXAS, they are the uh, company behind the Cologuard in the screening test for early detection of colorectal cancer and precancer. I think it's real. I think that they've got much more in the pipeline. That's why the stock's trading up. I think that they are, again, a problem solver of a disease that can be stopped if we catch it early enough. And that's one of the reasons why I have liked uh, E-X-A-S. And by the way, can I just tell you that very early on, we had Kevin Conroy on and very few people were believers. We were, and we still are. Bree in Washington. Bree. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. I want to give a huge shout out to my dad who's listening and loves your show. Oh, my nice. question is about Beyond Meat. Uh, right. someone- Look, I got to tell you. 
I know this is painful to a lot of the Bears out there, but that's not who I play for. I think that Ethan is real. Uh, we're talking about Ethan Brown from Beyond Meat. I think that these guys, a lot of people confuse things. But when we start having services open up and cafeterias open up, you're going to see Beyond Meat and Ethan Brown shine. Here's what people don't realize. A lot of the other guys have GMOs. And in this next generation, that might as well be an internal combustible engine. Aaron in Ohio. Aaron. Hi, Jim. First, I want to say thank you for having encouraged everyone to get the COVID vaccine when it's their turn. The economy and the virus go hand in hand. I look forward to the day when we win this war and return to normal. Proud to be a supporter. I've been looking into buying Tanger Outlets SKT. Look, I happen to think that like Federal Realty and and like like Simon Properties, Tanger's good. Now, last week it got adopted because there's a big short interest. That's not why you buy things. You buy things because they're good. Stock's a little hot right here. Let it come in. But I think it's fine. And thanks to everyone for everything they did who called it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, happy sweet 16, Kramerica. Mad Money is another year wiser. Kramer blows out the candles with more timeless lessons meant to make you money. When Mad Money returns on CNBC. I'm Jim Kramer, and welcome to my world. We call my world Mad Money. I want to help make you rich, really rich. Well, it's been 16 years since I uttered those words on our air, and I'd like to think that we've never strayed from that mission. Now, look, I made no bones about it. My goal was not to favor the bulls, the bears, or the hedge fund managers. It was to help you try to make the most amount of money with the least amount of risk. You know what? That's still my mission. Always will be. And with millions of younger people flocking to the stock market, I bet it by stimulus checks, commission-free trading, I think the show's more important than ever. And that's why I hope to keep doing it for as long as the mission stays relevant. There's no wrong way to turn a profit as long as you're not breaking the law. But I focus on longer-term investing now because, in my experience, it's turned out to be the best risk reward. Short-term trading is harder to pull off, not as tax-efficient, and a lot more time-consuming, which matters plenty if you have a day job. When you're investing, the goal is to find great companies with terrific management and let them work for you over time. Sure, there are faster ways to try to make money, but they have a much higher chance of blowing up in your face. For most people, I don't think it's worth the risk. Now, over the last 16 years, we've adjusted the show in keeping with what we think helps you the most. I mean, look, given the inherent dryness of the topic, we found that injecting humor and entertainment helps keep people engaged. We decided to bring on intriguing CEOs who could bring their stories to life. We even throw in some politics, even though it's a topic I despise because sometimes, well, it can help your portfolio. Along the way, we made some good calls and some not-so-good calls. We came up with FANG, that's uh, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google now. Alphabet, as a great investment the last decade, repeated endlessly, we threw in another A for Apple. As I always say, own it, don't trade it. One of our best calls ever. At the same time, I own it when I get things wrong, like what, what I got too positive on Eli Lilly's Alzheimer's drug after speaking recently to the CEO. Alzheimer's is the white whale of the pharmaceutical industry. Nobody's been able to beat it, though many have tried. I thought this time might be different, but today Lilly released some disappointing data. Stock got pummeled, and my enthusiasm got the best of me. Mia culpa. Although I think the stock's pretty darn de-risked now, and finally it's more attractive for the rest of the company's pipeline. 
Most importantly, though, we've tried to give you the tools you need to chart a course in a constantly changing market. Different sectors require different yardsticks. If you're going to be a smart tech investor, you need to watch for revenue growth and the total addressable market size. If you want income, it's all about whether or not the dividend is safe. If you're speculating in something untested, it's about the ability to expand and take market share. In fact, our first CEO interview, it was Len Schleifer from Regeneron. He told us how he was going to take share from the great Novartis. At the time, his stock was around five bucks. It's now just under 500. Right now, we're worried about a glut of new stock. We've got too many IPOs, too many startups coming public by merging with special purpose acquisition vehicles. These are the SPACs things, which is like an IPO without the regulatory scrutiny. I think there's too much froth involving higher risk investments. We need some of these stocks to cool off because they're getting to the point where risk is too high and the reward is too small. Overall, though, we know there's more money coming in thanks to those stimulus checks, so it's our job to help you find opportunity. As always, our pledge is a simple one. We will never stop helping to try to make you money. We may not always succeed, but we'll always strive to be more right than wrong. And when we fail, we will own it. That's our promise to you. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Man Money. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.